Hello everyone, my name is Rochelle Innocent and I'm the founder and CEO of Project Purpose. Welcome to our channel. Our community is focused on fostering the intellectual and character development in children. We do this through our parent-child workshops that are focused on four themes, autonomy, self-efficacy, compassion, and self-concept in order to cultivate grit, perseverance, and resilience in each child. And we are so thrilled to be offering one of the first of its kind digital, virtual, and continuous learning environments, enabling parents and children to connect from all around the world. At Project Purpose, our overarching mandate is to renew and rebuild family, community, and relationships. Our different social media platforms provide us with an opportunity to have discussions and to create space for all topics that relate to family, community, and relationships with ourselves as well as with others with a primary focus on mental health and education. More precisely, the ways that the institutions of mental health and education play a role and have played a role in our societies at large. These discussions and debates provide us with an opportunity to think critically about what needs to change within these structures for us to live up to our bold slogan, support, protect, and empower each child through youth-focused development, better known as leadership in juvenescence. We recognize that in valuing our children's leadership potential, this also translates as recreating and co-creating environments, both socially and politically, that will enable our children to thrive. For those of you who are particularly keen on the topic, we also write thought pieces every other Sunday. We actually just dropped a thought piece this past Sunday, so be sure to meander over to the website and check out our online content. Now, if it is the case that you're looking for a listening alternative, we're available wherever podcasts are playing, and we have provided you with access to a few links down below. Now, as is the convention, be sure to subscribe, hit that post notification bell so that you are aware of every time we post. And of course, if you like these conversations and you want to keep them going, like, comment, and share this segment. Let's get into it. Allo les mecs, hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another segment here on Project Purpose. For those of you who are new, we cover topics that relate to mental health, mental wellness, and education on a week-by-week -week basis, and our focus of conversation today is mental health. And on the topic of mental health, we're doing the flip side of the first video that we did this week on Tuesday. We're talking about the things that you should not do if it is the case that you're dealing with anxiety, if you're having a moment where it's really just high intensity by way of anxiety and it's really impeding on your ability to get through your day. So I talked about the things that you should do and if you're looking to find coping mechanisms or better strategies or ways of managing your anxiety, then definitely be sure to check that video out. I'll drop it somewhere here on the screen. But now this is a video of things that we shouldn't probably engage in when it comes to how we support ourselves when it is the case that we're feeling anxious. So the first one is the rabbit hole. Now I am a catastrophizer. It is just my orientation, but I have learned to put limits on my catastrophe so while I will do worst case scenario planning and while I will build out alternatives because it gives me a sense of clarity as I build out contingency plans for all the worst case scenarios that my mind is garnishing, I give myself a limit, right? Like when it is getting to the point where I'm just really feeling like my nerves are shot and I'm feeling very afraid, I tell myself, well, you know what? At the end of the day, it is what it is. You know, nothing is guaranteed. And I put constraints on the rabbit hole, right? So when I see that it's like really spiraling out of control and the worst case scenarios are really just not very realistic or they're really just extrapolations of fear like this really 
very fearful, fear-mongering ways of, of seeing the world around me, I recognize then that that's just like the inner voice that I internalized from when fear was really the way that my parents circumvented me getting into mischief growing up. So a lot of what deterred me from doing what I wanted growing up because I was a fairly defiant child was fear. They would use a lot of fear tactics. And I find that sometimes when it is the case that I'm catastrophizing, the first few scenarios are realistic. They're realistic and building contingency plans for those scenarios, it helps me. But then the next few scenarios are catastrophic. They're not things that the probability of them happening are, are very high, but they are things that do fill me with fear and fill me with more anxiety. So I recognize when I start going further down the rabbit hole, the scenarios that I come up with are just more fear-based and I'm realizing that that's just the internal voice that I have for the most part put on a leash, just trying to see if it can come out and play. And the answer is no, like, no. Like if this is just really like a really horrific scenario, really going to keep me frozen and feeling like I can't do anything and I can't move whatsoever, then it's better to just not engage in those thoughts and to focus on something that is going to help me feel more empowered and more capable of pushing through whatever it is that I'm going through. So I think that putting constraints in the rabbit hole, like knowing when you have flipped from being rational to being irrational and then flipped from being irrational to being someone who's really pushing fear on yourself. And if you were raised kind of a fear mongering environment, then you'll know what I'm talking about. But for me, I know when it is the case that it's like starting to steer in that direction where I'm just finding scenarios to scare myself. And when that happens, I just kind of put a stop to it. And I make a point to meditate, to do mantras, to do something a little bit more intensive when it comes to managing anxiety. So that's the first one that I'm going to offer out to you. The second one is don't go on social media and parade all of your anxious thoughts. And I think that it's really important that we protect ourselves in the times and, and, and in, the, in the moments where we're feeling very vulnerable and we don't subject ourselves to further scrutiny and criticism. When that's just us in a very vulnerable state seeking support and solace and maybe not the best medium. I don't think the internet is the best place to find sympathy, to find empathy for the moments that you have where you're really looking for clarity. So I find that a lot of the times people are very misunderstood. There's so much room to be misinterpreted, to be misunderstood when you bring your anxiety to the internet, when you bring the anxiety to people who don't know you without the context of that specific, you know, anxious moment. So I think that you need to learn. I think it's important to protect yourself, to, to be mindful of what parts of self you share online. And also to recognize that like you aren't your most vulnerable when you're your most anxious. And I don't know why people correlate the two. Like when I'm feeling the most anxious, I am the most aligned to the most authentic part of myself. I think being anxious is not about seeing yourself clearly. Being anxious is really dealing with thoughts that are not helpful to you. So I don't know how that can correlate with being yourself. You're vulnerable, you feel fragile for sure, but doesn't mean that that's a revelation of self. So I think that we really need to be mindful of how we identify. And I don't identify with the moments that I experience anxiety. Anxiety is an experience that I manage. It has nothing to do with who I am when I'm feeling grounded and centered and identify with my myself as someone who is grounded and centered and fairly acute in the way that I look at the world around me. And anxiety is a state that I veer away from, but a state, not an identity. So I think it's really important first and foremost to expose yourself to harm on the internet, like going online and kind of broadcasting our moment of, of emotional fragility and calling it identity. And then the next one, I kind of just looped it in there is identifying with 
emotions as part of your identity. Emotions are an extrapolation of us. They are signals, they are cues that give us a sense of how to orient or how maybe we shouldn't orient. So how we've been programmed or kind of conditioned to orient. And when we're focusing on healing, when we're focusing on growth, and we look at that cue and we, and we think to ourselves at some point in time, like to what extent is this helpful to me? To what extent is this behavior helping me or hindering me? And if it's hindering me, if it's impeding my ability to really enjoy life, to really be in the present, to really focalize on, you know, developing and building those muscles that I need to navigate in complex and uncertain situations, then maybe this is a moment that I can really hone in on some strategies that work better, right? And all of us are gonna have those moments in life where we reach the plateau of those coping mechanisms being useful or being helpful, but it's not going to be as clear when you identify with the reactions and with the emotions that are your current coping strategies as part of your identity. They are not one and the same. They are very much different and it's important that we think about it that way so we don't falsely bury our sense of identity behind our emotionality. And lastly, the last feedback that I want to give when it comes to anxiety is don't put your anxiety on a pedestal. And I think a lot of us, we really pay homage to the anxiety that we experience. And I like to laugh at those moments of myself. And like, you don't need to laugh by any means. It's not the alternative that I'm suggesting. I'm just suggesting find your own way of taking anxiety off the pedestal. When I am feeling anxious, I laugh at myself because I realize that I'm being irrational and I'm not operating in the most productive and effective way. So because I recognize, I can see how I'm behaving, I can kind of take a moment and like reflect on the ways that I'm engaging with myself and that I'm engaging with the world around me and laugh at how I'm behaving because I know that I can do better, right? I know that I can operate better. I, I know that I have the answers and I have the solutions and I just need to ride the wave. So I learned to like ride the wave. When you experience an emotion, you need to honor that emotion no matter how you feel about that emotion. And that took a lot of growth for me to recognize. But when I'm experiencing an emotion that I know is just not the most beneficial to me in my opinion and I feel like anxiety isn't a beneficial emotion it's just something that is a deterrent it takes a lot of my energy but I've learned to just respect it right like I respect it but as I'm respecting it and giving it space to release because emotions remember our energy in motion so the emotions that come with feeling anxious where if it's worrying then I'm working on putting that worry in a little box and releasing it but giving myself the time and space to do that but I'm going to laugh at the fact that I need to do that and because I laugh they, these moments happen less and less. I don't put this huge emphasis or this huge spotlight on those periods of time where I'm feeling anxious because they're not the majority of the time. They're some of the time and oftentimes they're things that I can laugh at, right? And even if they're things that are like legitimately worrisome, I find that anxiety takes the worry and just blows it up in such a way that it makes the behavior around the issue more problematic than the issue itself. So I think like when I realize that my behavior now is taking up a lot of my mental space rather than the thing that's causing my behavior, I find that really laughable. I find that funny to me. And so when you think about emotional intelligence, when you're building your emotional intelligence, there's two levers, there's monitoring and there's managing. And so I'm always monitoring the emotions that I'm experiencing. When I'm outside of the frame of my emotional footprint, so the emotions that I am typically cycling through in a day, when I'm experiencing an outlier emotion, then at this point I have to monitor it a little bit more closely while I'm managing it, right? Because it's not just a snap of my finger, then that emotion is gone. That emotion is there for a reason. There's like a circumstance or a situation in my environment that's triggered it, but it's an outlier emotion and I can see it for what it is and manage it. And as I'm managing it, because I 
need to give it space to release and to let go, I can laugh at the process that is involved with doing that because I know that at the end of the road, I'll be fine, but I still can't cut away at the time it needs to take up space. So I think that that's really important. I think it's important to kind of be light, tongue in cheek, if that's your personality, if that's your style. That's my personality, that's my style when I'm managing different emotions out the door, the emotions that I honor and that I respect, but I am not inclined to have stay, then that's when I can kind of take the step back, watch the process as a sort of a meta analysis, which is an analysis of your own thinking and your own thought patterns in a specific period of time. And then kind of like make light of it afterwards, right? And because I'm highly sensitive, when I'm emotional, it looks very big. It feels very intense. And that's just because I experience emotions intensely. It's not because I'm like way off the kelter when it comes to my, you know, like, okay, like, you know, Rochelle's really close to the brink. No, it's because like when I'm experiencing emotions, they're always going to be very big and very intense. So when I'm back to like myself, I'm not hiding the emotion. I'm not burying the emotion. The emotion is gone. But when I'm experiencing emotion, expect the intensity, expect it to be big and expect that when I'm back to normal, there's nothing buried beneath the surface, right? It's like when my body needs to experience something, it's a big, very loud experience and then it's gone. And I think the thing with highly sensitive people that I have experienced anyways like when I'm experiencing emotions a lot of people who don't experience emotions as intensely as I do like really feel like okay like this is a really big deal and it takes time I guess for them to understand like no this is just what the experience is like of emotionality with someone who's a highly sensitive person it's not a big deal it's a big experience it's a big response for someone who doesn't have the same depth of emotionality than I do but when I'm okay I'm actually okay so any case that is the video <laughs> And I hope that gives periphery to all of you who have highly sensitive people in your life. HSP, it's a technical and physiological orientation. For those of you who haven't heard of it, I'll put some links down below so you can like read about it a little bit. You can identify the HSPs in your corner. And I hope that that was helpful to you. I hope that you think about the different strategies that you're leveraging when it comes to your anxiety and cutting away at the strategies that just do not serve you any longer. In any case, before letting you go, I would be remiss if I didn't let you know that we will be going live at least twice a month every month for the foreseeable future on our Facebook page so definitely be sure to tune in now these events are paid events so if you do see yourself participating in our community on an ongoing basis then I do suggest that you take a look at one of our package plans yes so we do offer package plans over and above our live events as well as access to webinars and workshops largely focused on self-mastery over and above those events so check it out be part of our game changer community being part of the change that you want to see allowing us a small role to play in your journey we are on the road to 1k so we do invite you to follow us across all of our social media platforms and we look forward to chatting with all of you very soon we'll talk to you later